I would ask you to keep your scriptures open for our lesson today. The Lord has, in this month of February, this is now the last day and the last Sunday, the Lord has impressed me this month. I didn't know that we were headed this way, but the more we got into it after a time of prayer and fasting in January, the more He's impressed me on the subject of love and the subject of especially our love for Him. So then on the first Sunday of this month, I spoke to you about what is your temperature? And I asked a question about lukewarmness and told you that the Lord is displeased with lukewarmness. And then I, and then I spoke to the church on the Sunday of the 14th of February because it was Valentine's Day and we talked about why marriages die. And then last Sunday, I spoke to you from Galatians 2 and 20 and the, the subject was obsessed with the Jesus. And because the Holy Spirit is doing a work in my life of which I'm grateful and I want Him to continue, some of the overflow of that comes to you because He's allowed me to be your shepherd. But not just the overflow, but the reality of it is that when we come down to what God asks of us and requires of us, it is all about this text. Total devotion to God. Bill Hybels, pastor's the Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago metro area. It's a mega church. He's been there for a long time. and He has preached to thousands. Not only here in America, but around the world. And he's, a, he's a wonderful pastor and a good teacher. He was talking one day with one of his members about some of the tough topics he had taught over the years. Topics like hell. Like sex and money and relational confrontations, topics like self-discipline and self-denial, tough topics he's preached over the years. The man asked him, of all the topics you've preached on, which has been the hardest to get across? And Bill Howells stated, I don't even have to think about it. He said, becoming totally devoted to Christ, that's been the hardest topic to get across. Pastor Hybels considered getting across the aspect of a completely self-sacrifice or sacrificial lifestyle was his greatest challenge in teaching and preaching. He stated that for many people, total devotion to Christ means squandering the only life they have. Meaning, how can I be totally devoted to Christ and still enjoy life? And that question rings true for us today. The question for us is, do we consider total devotion to Jesus a goal worth striving for? I admit to you that uh, over the years of ministry and reading the Bible, I have come to this passage many times like you have. And I, I must admit that sometimes I have downplayed it. That Jesus really didn't mean what he said when he said, Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. I mean, how could you do that? And yet, the Holy Spirit beckons our review this morning about what really brings a relationship with God at last. And so for a few moments together, I want to talk about this thing of totally, totally devoted to Jesus. What would it look like? I begin by asking the question, what is involved in total devotion? And the first thing is daily death. 
How exciting to start a sermon with dying. Daily death. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and 31 said, I die daily. Well, what does Paul mean when he says, I die every day? Paul was living out what Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to those listening to him that day, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, how often? Daily. And follow me. Now please understand when I tell you that When Jesus said to take up your cross, he didn't mean taking up a literal piece of wood. The cross represents death. And when Paul says, I die daily, and Jesus says, take up your cross, what is being taught here is that we need to die to ourselves and be totally sold out to Jesus. Here's a verse of scripture that I I try to remember every week and pray uh, before I come to church on the weekend. Romans chapter 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Look at the phrase, a living sacrifice. Now, here's a question that needs an answer. How can I die daily and be a living sacrifice? How is it possible? I mean, you ever, you ever heard the statement, the walking dead? Have you ever heard the statement, the living dead? Yes, you have. You're sitting by a few of them now. I just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. What, what is what is the Lord one of me and, and how do I get closer to the Lord? A living sacrifice. Meaning that every day of my life, because I'm housed in the flesh and the devil's still alive and he doesn't like my devotion to God. Every day in my life I will have desires and appetites and things that will come to me that Satan puts in my path to try to get me from my devotion to God to which I must make a decision to die to that every day. Somebody else say amen. Amen. You see, Paul, the apostle, spent a lot of his life denying himself in order to do God's will. And I have come to learn that if we are going to be totally devoted to Jesus, we will need to die to some part of our flesh or ourself every day of our life. And we'll be better prepared to die to self when we define the areas where we haven't done that quite yet. For example, let me ask the question. What areas of our personal and spiritual life need improvement this morning? In what area of your personal life do you need an overhaul? A remaking? For example, what do you and I need to do in order to become more committed to our marriage? Obviously, those who are married. What, in what area do, do we need to, to get a total commitment as it relates to our character development? How do we need to work on that? You see, character development has more to do with what people see You with their eyes on the outside with. Your character development is not just how you appear to other people with your image and your clothes and and your looks. Character development has to do with my mind, my attitude, my agenda, my priority. And and so I come to this. What do I need to do in order to be totally committed to, to good health? 
to good work ethics. Can I get an amen? amen. What do I need to do in order to be totally committed and sold out to, to a prayer life, to church attendance, to reading my Bible, to giving? And, and I need you to understand, in order for us to be sold out to the Lord so that He may bless us like He wants to, we're going to have to die to the works of the flesh that leads to sin and death. Now the Bible is not ambiguous about some of the things we need to die to. The things that will kill us if we let it live in us. For example, Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 enumerates some of the things we have to die to. All of the things. It says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Impurity and debauchery. you got to keep pressing them down every day. Makes no difference whether you are a mature male or female. Viewing pornography in any way, shape, or form or fashion will destroy your relationship with God. We have to die to idolatry and witchcraft. The occult. And some of the other things that we do that we think is innocent. If people spend more time reading the Bible than they read their horoscope, they'll get better blessed. We have to die to hatred and discord and jealousy. Sometimes we think the only sin that really will send us to hell is if we rob a bank or rape or or commit fornication or adultery. These are sins of the flesh. Fits of rage. You know, it's amazing how Christian people try to legitimize their anger. Well, I'm Irish. Oh, I'm a redhead. And I, I just in my blood. Well, let me tell you something. I'm bald and I'm Indian. And that don't give me no right to demonstrate unchristlikeness to anybody else. Fits of rage. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Fussing and fighting all the time. Argumentation. Factions. Creating discords. Discord on the job. Discord at school. Discord at church. And seem like everybody's world got to revolve around our world. That's a work of the flesh. Envy. Jealousy. Some people just, they're jealous of others. It's not because they can't have what they have. It's just because they're not willing to pay the price. Work, sacrifice. You got to die to that. Drunkenness. And I ain't talking about being drunk in the Holy Ghost. Orgies, sexual orgies and perversions. You got to die to it. He says the similar things and the things of the, of the like. Paul says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what your theology is from the past. You have to have your theology based in the Word of God if you're going to make it to heaven. And we can't dismiss ourselves and say, well, you know, I can have a few things in my life because I'm saved and God's going to get me through because He knows my heart. Let me tell you something. God is not going to save you just because of the intent of your heart. You're not going to make heaven by the intent of your heart alone. You're going to make heaven because you have willfully chose to deny the world and the flesh and the devil and take up your cross and serve the Lord and make it to heaven. Somebody ought to say amen. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. you got to crucify the flesh. Last week I told you, Galatians 2 and 20. 
Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Please listen to me. In your own natural power, in my own natural power, we cannot overcome our flesh. We can't even control our own appetite and bellies at times. What makes us think we can overcome some of the imps and demons and hounds of hell? In our own strength. Pastor, how do I overcome anger? How do I overcome lust? How do I overcome jealousy? How do I overcome uh, confusion and fighting and complaining? It's because you have one day decided that I need to crucify my old self and I need to let Christ make His abode in me. Somebody say amen. When you've been born again, the devil moves out of your house and Jesus makes a temple out of your body and by the power of Jesus and the Holy Ghost, you can live above the world and the devil no longer the I who live but Christ lives me in the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me total devotion here's a second indication of total devotion giving it your all this is our text Mark 12 30 and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and if there's another way to, to love him, he would have told him that too. This seems to be the whole package. Oh, I feel anointed now. Let me give it to you in the message translation because I like the way it's presented and it doesn't do any damage to the original. Jesus said, so love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. I have the word passion underlined for a reason on the screen. It comes from the Greek word that means heart. What God is saying to us this morning is I want you to put some heart into loving me. I want you to put some muscle, some energy, some emotion in your relationship with me. Help me out here, somebody. Yeah. I saw a couple weeks ago where a guy wanted to propose to his girlfriend, and he did. But he wanted to do it in such a unique way that nobody else had ever done it before. And she would have her own story that nobody else would ever have. And so it was on the news. It was up north in Ohio. And you know, the northern part of our country hasn't hurt for snow lately. Thank God we're in the south. I tell you, I'm from the Caribbean. And I'm ready for this cold to take its wings and fly. So this guy decided, I, I, I got to do something that no other fellow's ever done in proposing to his wife-to-be. He built a snow castle, brothers and sisters, snow castle. Yeah. He built, a, he built a foundation. He built the walls, four walls. He built a tower on each corner, and he put a nice little ledge on top, and he, and he decorated. He went and decorated the castle inside of it with, a, with furniture, put a, a electricity lamp. He put flowers. I, I don't know if you all seen it, but this, this guy was going to be a Don Juan. And he proposed to the gal. And she said, since you went to all this trouble, I guess I will. <laughs> I don't know what she said, but she, she agreed to marry him. Isn't it amazing how we pursue with passion our would-be bride and groom? Huh? I was a college student half broke when I proposed to Valerie 31 years ago at Stone Mountain Park under the bell tower and the organ near the near the lake. Anybody been out there? Yeah. And back then, you know, it was, it was uh, in our conservative way of interpretation in the church of God and in the past, uh, wedding bands were permitted for jewelry, but nothing else. 
And Valerie's grandparents were still alive, and we didn't want to offend them, so she didn't want, she didn't want me to give her an engagement ring. You think I bucked that? <laughs> Ain't got no money, man. <laughs> oh, honey, I just, please. So I bought her a watch, a gold watch, and they fake gold, I don't know. She's not in here, but it's what I could afford. I was bagging groceries for Bilo and going to college, making a dollar sixty-five an hour. Tell me somebody. I had them engraved on the back of the watch, will you marry me? And it was such a small watch, it couldn't have a place for the question mark. So it was more like a statement, you will marry me. Man, no, you got a plan right, huh? Man, we got out there, it was a nice March day, and the, the organ chimes were playing, the ducklings were on the lake, and the sun was shining. And I asked her to marry me, and she said, how could I say no? Well, she didn't say that, but she... Isn't it amazing how we... So, you know, we passionately got to have her. We got to, this is my soulmate. Somebody says six months before you get married, you could eat them up six months after you wish you had. I wonder what's going to happen five years from now about that castle out there in the snow. I wonder if it's going to be all wet. You all know what I'm saying. You know what God is saying about our love for him? I don't want you to be a wimp in your relationship with me. Don't be namby-pamby and half-hearted. Love me with everything you got. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you got to do it with some passion. you got to give some oomph, some spark, some zip, some enthusiasm, some zeal. Do it with passion. That's how I like to come to this pulpit. I may not always have a sermon like this, but when I come, it's like my last sermon because I'm doing it because souls are dying and the devil's alive and hell is real, but heaven is real and we got to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. The Lord is saying to be totally devoted, you got you to give it your all. The Lord is saying he wants us to seek God passionately, love God passionately, serve God passionately, trust God passionately. And if we don't get it from this verse, Colossians tells us another way. Whatever you do, Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. You know what's amazing in America? What's amazing in America is okay to be passionate about anything except God. Did you hear me? In America, it's politically incorrect to be passionate about the Bible, the Ten Commandments, Jesus, and God. But you can be passionate about everything else in America. You can be passionate about movies, passionate about sports, about politics, about fashion and clothing. You can be passionate about restaurants. You can say, man, I'm looking at you and I can tell you've been there. I've been to a few myself. Passionate. But to be passionate about the Bible, going to church on Sunday, tithing and giving, working for the Lord. No, no, in America. Pastor Rick Warren, who pastors Saddleback Church out in California, the, the author of 40 Days, uh, not 40 Days, but yet that also, but the uh, Purpose Driven Life. Pastor Rick Warren says that on one occasion he typed on his keyboard, he typed the phrase, a passion for, and he typed it on the website of Amazon.com. And he found... About 200 books that begin with the title, A Passion For. And he started looking at the list and it went down alphabetically. And there was a book on a a passion for birds. A passion for books. A passion for cactus. (laughs) Help me. A passion for chocolate. That's understandable. 
a passion for fashion, for fishing, for flying, for gardening, for golfing, for hunting. There's even a book called A Passion for Mushrooms. Rick Warren says somebody's smoking something when they wrote that book. They're probably smoking the mushrooms is what he said. They ain't putting them in the salad. I never had no passion for mushrooms. Uh, anyhow. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, God. Help me. No emails. A passion for... There's a book on a passion for needlepoint, for pasta, for ponies. A passion for potatoes and roses and shoes. There's even a book on a passion for steam. Steam, you know, vapor. There's somebody else smoking something else. But in our culture in America, it's okay to be about, uh, passionate about everything else except your religion, your faith, and your devotion to Jesus. Somebody go to a rock concert, somebody can go to a ball game, somebody can go to a political rally. And man, they can yell and scream and be passionate. They can lose their voice. Somebody go to their favorite ball game and man, they're rallying for their team. And if their team loses, they cry. Publicly cry. He's over here, J.C. (laughs) Pastor J.C. and Pastor Calvin have a little something going about. Pastor J.C. thinks it's all right for Tebow to cry when he lost the game. Uh, Florida and Pastor Calvin thinks that Tebow is a wimp. We'll see both of y'all in the parking lot. Y'all go at it. You let the same, you let your favorite team win, man, and you jump up and you yell and you scream and you dance all over the place, have a big time, and at the sports event, somebody see you do that, they think, man, what a fan! That must be a true fan. You come to church and the power of the Holy Ghost falls on us and the choir sings, I am, I am, and Michael sings and they play and somebody gets out in the aisle and rejoice. Somebody come up to the front and dance a little bit and the next thing you know, somebody who ought to be praising God goes, what a fanatic. What a nutcase. Yeah, right in the church. I look at some of you sometimes and I know that you're the kind of person who yell at the ball games and you yell at when your kids are at the soccer and you yell when your favorite team are winning. You come to church and if, if praise and worship go into overtime, you're scrunching, you're thinking, oh God, are they going to sing that again? Yeah. Oh man, you can yell at your wife and you can yell at your children. You can yell at your husband. You can yell at somebody else. You come to the house of God and you act like you're in the church of the Frigidaire. Yeah. I believe everything ought to be decent and in order. But I want to tell you something. Ain't no sport athlete person, ain't no president, ain't no Hollywood star ever died for my sins. Nobody ever shed their blood and hung on the cross and give me eternal life. None of them ever heal my body and give me a home in heaven. So excuse me while I get passionate for Jesus. Somebody give a Lord a clap here. Yeah. Hey, they're talking about you. Somebody's talking about you. I don't care if you're dignified, refined, and have every hair in place. Somebody's talking about you. They might as well talk about you being crazy for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know. I know I could. In 25 years, I know we could have grown this church larger if I'd wanted to be more refined. I know that. I've had people tell me that. I've known, I've known in the past that I could grow this church larger if I wouldn't preach so plain about sin. I've had people tell me that. I've had people in 25 years tell me, if you stay off this subject a little bit or, or don't touch this over here, we could keep these families and have a little more money and build more buildings and, and we could be, you know, a big church. Well, I'm thinking, I need these families. God called me to win people. I need the money so we can have the buildings. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. <laughs> when I'm dead and gone, you're going to forget me within a few weeks. 
But I want to burst heaven wide open, dancing on the streets of glory, hearing God saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You preached it, you lived it, you had fire in your bones. Enter in to the joys of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I appreciate you paying me and giving me a salary. I remember when I wasn't getting much of anything. I, 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 I remember when some people I pastored thought the pastor ought to be humble and it was their job to keep him humble. So I'm not ungrateful for what God has done. But I want to tell you something, friends. When you come to this church, you are not going to get three points and a poem and a prayer. We are going to have the visitation of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And lives are going to be changed and demons are going to be cast out. And it may not be your favorite song or your favorite pew or your favorite pastor. But if you love God, you're going to be in tune and revival is going to come. Give him a hand clap, somebody. Oh, my Lord. I got to hurry. No, I ain't got to hurry. I've been here 25 years. I prayed you guys in. You know what? It's not human nature to be passionate for God. Can I get a witness? Our human nature is to live according to our flesh and our desires. It ain't human nature to want to read your Bible and pray and fast, go to church and give your tithes and offerings. So you got to make a decision that you're going to do it anyhow. Can I get an amen? amen? My Lord, the way the devil attacks and distracts, you can work and be healthy and wonderful six days a week come Sunday morning. you got this headache. Can't go today. You had the headache Tuesday, but you went on anyhow to job. Clocked in. Huh? You got them tickets for, for the Falcons or the Braves or the Thrashers or... Whomever else, someone, you got to pay them tickets. We don't, we don't care if it's raining and lightning and thunder. I done paid my ticket and I'm going to buy my popcorn and my soda. See, we could have grown this church larger too if you had a more dignified pastor. I've seen pastors that are like a big polar bear in the pulpit. And I've seen ushers that like were... Penguins in the aisles. Not here, not here, no, no, no. There, no. I've seen people come to church in this church acting like I've unpaved my ticket. Go ahead and entertain me. See what you can do with me. Your passion shouldn't be Alan Matura, shouldn't be the choir, shouldn't be some, some of your favorite song. Your, your and my passion, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Whether we have one or one hundred or one thousand, Jesus. Whether they're singing a slow song or a fast song, Jesus. Whether I sit in my favorite pew or not, Jesus. If I got a headache and I can make it to work, I'll go with a headache to church. By the time I get out, God's going to heal me. If it's raining and I can get out and be safe and I go to work and school, I'm a God. To the house of God because I won't leave there like I went in Jesus' name. Let me let me show you something else. It's a decision. Everybody say it's a decision. It's a decision to love the Lord with all your heart. Brother and sister Addis will have been married 62 years. Sister Addis suffered a massive heart attack last Sunday morning on her in her plans to get ready for church. Sat over in that area right here. He's been in the ministry most of his adult life. 
And unless Jesus intervenes to keep her alive, he'll take her home within the next 24 hours, we're told. How do you stay married to the same person 62 years? You make a choice. You make a choice that he's not perfect and I'm not perfect. She's not perfect and I'm not perfect. But I didn't sign up for good times only. And so I'll make a choice. Sometimes I got to zip it up. And sometimes I got to forgive whether I'm asked to forgive or not. And sometimes I got to apologize whether I want to or not. I make a choice. And so, since it's not human nature to want to be chased after God, ask for the nature of God. Crucify the flesh. I, I got to hurry. Romans 11, 12 and 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't lack in zeal for God. Uh-uh. I don't mean that you have to be me and no, I have to be you, but my God, put something into it, somebody. Well, I've spent enough time on that, haven't I? Prioritizing. How do I, how do I come totally sold out to God? I prioritize. Meaning that I've got to order my life in such a way. Where Jesus is always first in every area of my life. Look, look at what the right of Colossians says in chapter 3, 1 through 3. Look at the screen. Speaking to us. If you then were raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, Alan Matura. Not on things of the earth. Because when you got saved, you died to the, to the things of the earth owning you and you owning them. They're just loaned to you. Your car is on loan. I may know that already. <laughs> your house is on loan. I said, Pastor, you're preaching now, brother. Even after you pay for it, it's on loan. You ain't taking it with you. When you got saved, you died. And your life is now hidden. You may see Alan Matura here, but what you really need to look a little deeper in is to understand that my life is hidden in Jesus and so is yours. Set your mind on things above. You know when we get so spiritual and reading the Bible and praying and testifying, you know what some people say about Christians? Even Christian people say, they say they're so heavenly minded and no earthly good. I'd rather run the risk of being so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good, than to be so earthly minded, I'm no heavenly good. Prioritize. You have to learn to prioritize the three T's in your life. Your time, your talent, and your treasures. Somebody ought to say amen to me. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 6 and 33, and I'm hurrying, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you? Listen listen to me, I'm talking about totally. Everybody say totally. Time. You know why we're given time? So we can serve God better. We're not given time because we're some great shake on the earth and God couldn't exist in the, couldn't, the world couldn't exist without us. Some of you will have time 50 years. Some of you will have 40 years. Some of you will have 80 years. God helping and Jesus tarries. Some of you will live to be a hundred perhaps. And God has given you time in order to use it to expand and bless the kingdom of God while you're here. Not just about, you know, we get involved with time. It's my time. I gotta have my time. Nobody take my time. You and I would have no time at all if God decided to keep the oxygen from coming to our nostril and our lungs we live and breathe and have our being in God because of God our time, our talent pastor I don't have any talent, yes you do 
Your talent may not bring you to the, to the stage of American Idol, but you have a talent. Everybody. God doesn't make junk. Everybody has a talent. You have a gift. It may not be visible behind a pulpit. It may not be the, you may not make the, uh, the Broadway scene. Some people, sometimes we think the only talent we're really worth having is if we could get on American Idol. No, no. You can have a talent of compassion, creativity, administration, prayer, a talent of, of people skills. You can have a talent of working with mathematics or, or working with, uh, with technological kind of stuff. You, you, what, uh, you can have a talent to be a wonderful father, a wonderful husband, a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife. Can I get a witness here? Huh? About things, I'm talking about things that are eternal. And I'm saying to you that, that when, we, when we say to ourselves, well, I got this talent, so I'm going to build me a bigger kingdom and build me a better name. And I'm going to concern myself with me, myself, and I. God did not give us our talent for our singular use alone. He wants you to use it to make an income and pay your bills. But He's given you a talent to use to expand the gospel and reach the unreached and bless your family. And so one day you get up to the Lord and He's going to reward you for using your talent. And then your treasure, your money, time, talent, and treasure. God says, I want you to give your tithe and offerings from every paycheck. Ten percent is the tithe. I want you to prove me, God says. I've chosen you to bless you with a job and an income, even in lean times. And I'm testing you, God says. I'm testing to see how faithful you're going to be with five dollars. Will you give me fifty cents? If I give you a hundred dollars, will you give me ten dollars? And if I can trust you with a hundred, maybe I can trust you with five hundred because fifty of that will be your tithe. And I'm testing you that the more I give you and the more I bless you, the more liberal you are to advance the kingdom of God, then I'm going to change your world. I want to bless you. You know, have you ever asked God or thought about God? Why can you pay for everything on your own for sending missionaries, building church, doing youth ministry, helping the elderly, doing love in action? Why can you pay for the orphanage? Why, why do you choose us? Because God says, he says, I choose you to test you so that I could bless you. Yeah. And if you'll obey me, you'll be blessed. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God says, I'm testing you, but you can test me. Isn't that what the Bible says in Malachi? I'm testing you to see if you're faithful. Get your priorities right. Give your tithe and your offering. Put God first, even in hard times. God says, I'm testing you and you turn around and test me and see if I won't bless you and open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Well, there will not be room to contain it. Somebody ought to praise the Lord because that's the truth. I got to hurry. Here's the last point I want to build on. Here's a mark of a totally sold out Christian. That's, we allow ourselves to guard against distractions. Yeah. How many know that the closer you desire to get to the Lord, the more the enemy is going to attack that desire? When you say to yourself, you know what? As a teenager or college student in this sexually uh, explicit world, in this sexually contaminated world, I'm going to college, I'm going to high school, I'm not going to have sex before marriage. I'm going to keep myself from my marriage bed, as God said, and be virtuous and chaste. You make that covenant known, you're going to become the laughing stock for some people who mock you. Because it's a distraction to steal your virtue and your testimony. Huh? When you make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to tithe and give my offerings, I'm going to prove God. The, the devil is going to make sure you get more bills and more breakdowns and more emergencies. And you're going to say, you see, there's nothing to this, God ain't going to help me. And you'll quit and you'll miss your blessing before you get your breakthrough. Distractions, distractions. 
Yeah, if you say, you know what, my husband and I, our relationship is bad, and, and I, but I'm going to stick it through here, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that God change our marriage and help us. The more you start praying over that husband or wife, the devil's going to see for it for a moment that it's more miserable and more difficult. If you pray for your teenage son or your daughter, you pray, you, you pray for somebody else that you want to see saved, and they're hanging with the wrong gang, or they're hanging with the wrong people, and they're speaking the wrong language, and they're listening to the wrong music, and they got the wrong idols, the more you start to pray and get fervent, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to anoint their bed. I'm going to go in their bedroom. Satan is going to try to distract you for a season to keep you from getting your miracle. Anybody hearing me? I'm going to tell you something. Here's what Paul says about distractions. In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 2 through 4, look at it. Paul says, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride. To one husband, Christ. Pause. Paul's writing to believers at the church at Corinth. When I came and preached to you and told you about Jesus and you got saved. And I left you and went to start other churches. I kept praying for you because I'm jealous over you. I don't want the devil to get you. Because I promised the Lord that I'm going to go to heaven and take as many as I can. I promise you the church is known as the bride of Christ. I promised you as... The bride to one husband, Christ. Let me tell you something about my experience here at this church, real quick. You don't pay me for some things. I appreciate the pay, and I thank you. But let me tell you, as a pastor, if I was going to get paid for some of the stuff that I got to pray for and go through and fight the devil for, I'd have already gone out and gotten a secular job. I'm telling you. It's something, I know, and I'm grateful to be paid, you understand? And, and, and I remember when I wouldn't get no pay and prayed, oh God, give me some pay, you know? But one of the things that God has helped me to do here for this flock in 25 years, I've learned and grown, is how to be jealous over you. I've been jealous over you because I don't want the devil to steal your salvation and you lose your soul. I've been so jealous when some of, over the years, when a husband cheated on the wife... And it came for counseling. I've been so jealous. I wanted to go beat the tar of that husband. I'm telling you, little short Indian guy. I'm glad God didn't make me taller and stronger because I'd be in jail today. Because I've been jealous over some of you. I've been jealous over some of you. I've seen people come to this church. Not many. Maybe, maybe one or two. I've seen somebody come in this church and steal one of our ladies or our men from their existing marriage. Right under my eyes. And go and cause them to divorce and marry somebody else and left the church. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, that's the devil's distraction. And you know, I'm jealous over you. I'm watching you. Some of you don't think I'm watching you, okay? Some of you, you, you some, some people come to church, they, they ain't coming about loving Jesus and loving the song. They're looking for somebody to hitch up with. Yeah, I'm preaching now, yeah. yeah. When will that short, yelling, bullhead man shut up? So I can go out in the parking lot or in the aisle or in the common somewhere and chat with this gal. Now he ain't shutting up because he's jealous over that gal. And you are not going to steal her or him and drag him to hell with your lifestyle. With me standing here watching it. I am jealous and I'm going to guard you with prayer. Yeah. I'm jealous over you. Yeah. Some of your kids and some of your children. Who got with the wrong crowd. I don't mean this bad. I'm just being transparent. They need a good whipping. 
And I've been jealous so much I want to come and pull out my belt and beat the tar out of them. Who are you calling your mother an old woman? And who are you calling your father an old man? Who are you cussing your mother? Boy, come here. Let me slap you into tomorrow. Jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous over you. I'm jealous over you when I see God prosper you and bless you. And you take that money that you bought that boat with and I'm missing church every Sunday. I'm not mad. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the gospel. I'm, I'm trying to be a watchman on the wall here this morning. Yeah, you, I don't, if I was just getting paid to be nice, then we'd have three songs, three points, and a three poems, and we'd all die. That kind of church, the next thing you want to do is go outside and throw up. But you've got to come to a place, sometimes it's not, man, I, sometimes it's really comfortable for me to just sit back there and just watch and observe. You see, but you know, I'm in this position because God says, if you'll be the watchman on the wall and the keeper of the gate... And if, Alan Matula, you're willing to stand between the living and the dead, I'll spare some marriages. I'll deliver some people off of drugs and alcohol. I'll deliver some people from demonic possession and demonic power. And I'll bring revival and heaven will be more populated with people who were once going to hell because somebody said, I'm jealous. Look what Paul says in verse 3. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Huh? Look, look, look at this. i got to hurry. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. I know. I know that some of the ways I preach here goes against the grain of some of the popular theology of America. Because I call homosexuality sin, and it is. I call same-sex marriage sin, and it is. I have told you that there cannot be a person who's a homosexual and born again at the same time. I have told you that a person who's a homosexual cannot be a pastor. God will forgive. God will cleanse them. I have told you, and we should love them. I have told you that those who willfully abort babies are committing murder. But God will forgive them. Can I get an amen? And res- I, I've not chosen to preach generic. And I know I could just kind of preach fluff and charm and beautiful stuff. But I don't believe we've had a house full every Sunday and God grow in this church because we just want fluff. I believe what we want is to be totally devoted and sold out to God and make heaven our home. This, I'm not against this different kind of gospel that some of you believe and listen to. I'm not against these people, but there's some popular people out there who are not preaching the gospel that Jesus gave. Guard from distractions. Jealous. So, the bottom line is, we all want to know from what's in it for me if I'm totally sold out to Jesus. What's in it for me? Why do I come to church? Why do I read the Bible? Why do I pray? Why would I have to give up partying and, 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 and sexual promiscuity and, and, and things and cars and clothes? And why, why do I have to live by the, the Bible? What's in it for me? Uh, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered the hearts of men and women the thing that God has prepared for those who love Him. John 10 and 10 says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You know what's in it for you? The fullness of life now. 
you won't give up any vice of the flesh whereby God won't replace it with a work of the spirit that you will be far better off. What's in it for me? Opportunities and experiences like you've never had. Oh yeah. When you get in God's will and you start singing in the choir because God gave you a talent. Or you start working with the youth because God gave you a talent. Or you start going to the nursing homes or the jail or prison because God gave you a talent. Or you start giving your tithe and offerings. Or you start, you say, maybe God called me to be a pastor or a missionary. Maybe God called me to write letters or, or be in hospitality. When you start using your gifts and talents and you go to people who can't reward you and can't bless you. You go under the bridge in Atlanta and feed the homeless one day. Can I get an amen? You go like some of the people in our church to a nursing home. Or you go to a jail or prison and you go and meet somebody and you spend a little time. You're going to have opportunities and experiences that money can't buy. Somebody say praise the Lord. This is not just about us. And then, you know, the greatest of all, what's in it for you? Eternal life. Eternal life. Somebody says, be reasonable, Pastor. I mean, Mahatma Gandhi was a great man, and the Dalai Lama was a great man, and surely there's salvation in other names than the name of Jesus. No. Wrong. Aren't you pretty narrow-minded and bigoted to come to that conclusion, Pastor? No, I'm pretty biblical to come to that conclusion. Okay? The Dalai Lama, Mahatma Gandhi, and any of your other heroes there are housed in flesh. And like me and you, unless they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and give their heart to Him, they will not have eternal life. And and Pastor, how can you be so narrow-minded? No, I can be biblical because in Acts 4 and 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. No, the way to eternal life. That's not just me. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. Eternal life. That's what's in it for you. Hello? Uh, uh, One more thought. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You know the next greatest event that's going to happen in this church will not be my 25th anniversary. The next greatest event will be the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I said? Listen to me. I'm getting you ready. Last month in Haiti they had an 8.5 earthquake. Two weeks ago in Japan they had an almost 8 earthquake. Last week in Chile, three days ago they had an 8 point something earthquake in Chile. The Bible says before the coming of the Lord, all of creation, the earth itself will groan and moan and travail for the decay that sin has put on it. The Bible says before the coming of the Lord, one of the signs is that there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. Meaning various places where there were never earthquakes before. About a month ago in Chicago, there was an earthquake. Tremor. Anybody hearing me? Don't you think that you're sitting here in Atlanta, Georgia, metro area, the Bible belt, the buckle of the belt, and we're not going to be affected? I want to tell you, the next thing you need to be doing is making sure that when the trumpet sounds, or I suck my last breath of oxygen, I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. If you're ready, give a Lord a hand clap and stand to your feet all over this church. I'm ready and I'm praising God. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Give him some more praise. Yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. Passion. Passion. Fire. Zeal. Hear me, somebody. 
I told somebody this morning, why did God give me this series of sermons coming up on the anniversary when I'm supposed to get everybody to like me? It ain't about liking me or not liking me. It's about Jesus. 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 I surrender all. Lift your hands and surrender. Sing the pastor's name. Everybody sing as you're singing to Jesus. I surrender. Sing it like a big choir. Raise your voices and sing, everybody now. Take me two minutes to do this. Two minutes. Look at me. Nothing hidden. Nothing concealed. Nothing guarded. That need to be out there. Pastor Matura, I got a little bit left over that I need to surrender today. It could be your soul for salvation. It could be coming back to the Lord. Having gone astray. It could be some attachment. Something in the closet of your life. Something hidden in your life. That is the one thing that you're still holding on to. And. God says, no, you can't serve God and material things. Me alone. Pastor, just, I'm, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, but I feel like I'd be more effective as a Christian if I surrender this thing. Nobody's going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. We're not going to embarrass you. But Jesus said publicly one day, if you publicly acknowledge him here on earth, he's going to acknowledge you one day before the Father. But if you deny him down here on earth... He'll deny you. Pastor, there's something else I need to surrender. While Pastor Zach and all of us sing it one more time, come and stand with me in the altar for a closing prayer. If that's you, come. Come. Keep coming. When you come, begin to pray or surrender. Nobody sing with come, come on. Keep coming. Come from every section. This is not about your husband, your wife, your boyfriend. It's about you and me. I surrender. Come on. I need Jesus. I want Jesus. Uh, sing it again. When you come, lift up your hands at the altar and begin to surrender what you come for. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Please. I beg you. Don't miss this opportunity. Put your hands on just a moment. Those in the house, look at me just a moment. One word I want you to pray with this morning. Passion. I want you to pray in this altar and pray in this church with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You don't have to be me, but you got to decide that nobody's going to blow me over or knock me down or pour some dust on me and I won't be changed. I have got to present myself. Did I get an amen here? I got to open my mouth. I got to think with my own head. I got to claim my marriage, my family, my children. I got to get closer and read in my Bible and pray. I make a choice totally, Jesus. 
We're going to do that for one minute, maybe more. Raise up your hands. Raise up your voices. Pray out loud over yourself and over your passion this morning. Lord Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender my attitude. You know, you call it whatever it is you got to call. I surrender my, my priorities. I surrender my relationships. Talk it out. Talk it out. I surrender, oh God, my education, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my live-in that I shouldn't be doing. I surrender. Come on, pray with me. I surrender, God, habits and attitudes and lifestyles. I surrender my tongue, my eyes, my ears. Come on, help me somebody. My senses. I want to be the temple of God. Come on, you're doing good. You're doing good. Lord Jesus. Oh, you, you test me and I want to pass the test because you've never failed me, Lord. Come on, come on in Jesus' name. God, I've blamed and I've complained and I've griped and I'm leaving that all behind me today. Thank you for loving me anyhow. Thank you for giving me another chance. Thank you for not letting the devil kill me and send me to hell. Anybody out there? Come on. Thank you for sparing my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad. Thank you when everybody else gave up on me. You didn't give up. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Now lay a a hand on the shoulder of somebody beside you and pray for them. Pray for them to run the race and finish well. Come on. God, I don't want to go to heaven without my brother or sister. If I can help them go. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go alone. Come on, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd bless their children. I pray you'd bless their mind. I pray you'd bless their bodies. I pray you'd help them to use their time and their talent and their treasures for God. Come on, pray for each other. God, I don't know what they're going through in their body. I don't know what they're going through in their finances. I don't know what's distracting them. I don't know how the devils attack them. But I rebuke the devil from them and I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Come on. I speak in the name of Jesus. I speak a blessing on you. In the name of Jesus, I speak a blessing on you. Say it over them. Say, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. Everybody repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I call you favored. In the name of Jesus, you are going to be 100% sold out to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against you shall prosper in the name of jesus my household is saved thank you jesus i give him a hand clap of praise in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus oh blessed be the name how many feel like you're now more ready than you ever been for heaven say amen Greet each other. God bless you. Shake hands. Be safe as you go. I hope you come by this afternoon between 4 and 6.